0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam, and today with me is Mr. Eric out of Brighton, Colorado with CrossFit Salvo. Eric, how are you today? Good, man. How about yourself? Hey, can't complain. The weather's nice, sunny. I'll take it. Yeah, sounds good. Sunny here today too. Beautiful, beautiful. Love that. Uh, we'll appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chit chat and learn more about your business. So let's do just that. Let's dive in. Go ahead and give our listeners a little bit about you. Maybe you know what led up to the point where now you are CrossFit Salvo.
2: Yeah, uh, my name is Eric Schmedicky. Um, I am 38 years old. I have owned CrossFit Salvo since 2012 in August. So we're coming up on it'll be 11 years in August, kind of what led up to this all, um, I actually graduated from the University of Colorado in 2007 with a finance degree. Um, If anybody remembers what 2008 was like for the finance market, that was the mortgage-backed security, all that crazy stuff where you're seeing, you know, multi-billion dollar hedge funds and all that stuff going bankrupt. Kind of realized this, that world wasn't for me. Um, always had a, always had a, um, a passion for fitness, and helping people. So it kind of led to me saying, "Screw the whole finance route." Went back, got my personal trainer certification. Started at a a Globo gym, and what we call them in the CrossFit world, like a lot of trainers did. Um, branched out to a smaller gym here in Brighton, and then which led to me opening CrossFit Salvo. Um, a year and a half later, two years so or so, after I became a personal trainer. And that's where we are today, you know, 11 years down
1: the road. Yeah, 11 years down the road, still, still cruising. Love that, man. So without wasting time, let's talk about the business. Um, so go ahead, give us kind of like just a basic elevator, you know, script of exactly what services do you offer? And then to piggyback that. If somebody were to come to you, not a member, inquiring about fitness, mm-hmm. maybe they, they've heard about CrossFit before, whatever, what's kind of like the initial consultation to like welcome them in to see like if it makes a good fit?
2: Yeah, so um, mostly CrossFit, right? Like CrossFit's like our top tier. Um, it's mostly what we do. Um, underneath that, we I'm also a certified nutritionist. Um, so we do nutrition work for individuals. Um we have the personal training aspect and we have a boot camp as well that runs out of our gym. And then finally, um sports performance um is a big thing we do. Um I worked with a few D1 um volleyball girls, and it's become a big part of our business as well as the sports performance side. Um if somebody like I guess how how you would start at Salvo would be um we offer one week trials is what we usually do. You can sign it up through our website. One week trial gets you, you know, all your paperwork filled out, you know, so you can come on in, meet your trainer, meet whatever class you want to come to 10 to 15 minutes early, meet and chat with the trainer, try out our program, see kind of what it's all about, if it's something for you. So um, that's kind of how you would get started in our gym.
1: Cool. Excellent. Love that. So with the business, you know, mainly CrossFit group classes, things like that, you know, what um, is your current member base um, right now? CrossFit wise,
2: 120-ish, okay. you know, give or take five to 10 members up and down as the cycle of business goes in um, yeah. the fitness world.
1: No, yeah, yeah, makes sense. And then it looks like here uh, about 4,220 square feet, roughly
2: yeah roughly um gym space is probably more like 35
1: we have some you know office space lobby space as well yep absolutely Got i got a little little space for the uh the, the jam down before and after yep yep i did love that cool um and then it looks like you have about seven ish staff members on the team currently yeah we do um What's been really great too is we've had
2: coaches who have almost been here since the beginning. Um, You know, three or four coaching members. Um, I was actually one of their personal trainers before we opened Salvo, so she came along with me. Um, You know, two of our other coaches have been here with us since the beginning. Um, Another one's been four years, and one of our like part-time trainers while she's gone, um, she was started out as like a CrossFit kid at like nine years old, and now she's, you know, a CrossFit trainer. 20-something years old in college now. So when she comes back and helps us out. Um, so we have a great, like, staff keeping, you know, big community aspects, which I know we kind of talked about, um, which is a big part of the CrossFit world.
3: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Pardon me.
4: Uh,
1: oh, sorry about that. Water went out uh, uh It's all good. Yeah. Um, no, love that you know your uh people are following you what you're doing and where you're going and everything so um all right so man that was terrible (laughs) so let's talk about you know leads you know how do leads currently come into your facility
2: um what we do is um
1: you have to like
2: request pricing is one of our big like lead generators so you go to our website, you click pricing, it says, please fill out this information, we'll send you your pricing. Um, what we kind of do then, is it's an immediate send of our pricing to them with a link to our one-week trial. Um, that's email. Within you know, 20, 24 hours, you'll get a text message from us if you put your phone number in um, saying, hey, we hope you got our information, please let us know if you have any questions. Then led up to I think it goes out to two to three weeks of, you know, a follow-up email every five to seven days, you know, Hey, did you get my last email? Hey, did you get this? Yeah. Um, Just trying to stay um, active in their minds that they requested our pricing because, you know, if you're interested enough into giving me, you know, giving the information out to get our pricing, it's a nice warmer lead compared to a cold lead off of, you know, Facebook Mm -hmm. and stuff like that can get a little dicey sometimes with leads
1: yeah absolutely um so you know what else do you do for lead generation is that the main main website or do you guys have other sources
2: um that's our main one um then we run referral programs is what we just started as well you know bring a friend week get more people in our door um i also try to just be a bigger part of our community just like the the city of brighton um you know, getting your name out with just the businesses that are around, being a part of, you know, the the youth sports organizations we've been a big part of, some five K runs, you know, just getting, you know, a, a softer, more warmer lead than just um, here in Colorado. The Facebook ad market you're flooded. Colorado's a very big fitness state. Mm. Um, there's a ton of gyms in Colorado. Um, you're you're fighting for a lot of space, so to make your leads really. Um, I guess, warm, hot leads, you know, um, that's the way we kind of do it.
4: Yeah. You know, oftentimes there's, you know,
1: every gym is, or every gym owner that I've spoken with is, you know, doing something with, you know, social media. And they always say that, you know, there's, you know, the person down the road that's doing the same thing and they'll see their ads and they'll see their ads and so on and so forth. So yeah, man that's right you know referral programs are huge because you're getting it from the actual member who's been into the facility versus you know just an ad like oh that that looks really cool yeah yeah Yeah, man totally so you know goal-wise you know I I see some notes here but you know from me to you what's kind of like big picture for you do you you know the 120-ish members is that sustainable is that where you want to stay at like how big do you want to take this thing do you want you know you've been in business for a little while now what's kind mm-hmm. of like you know peace of mind top of mind for you know your, your ultimate goals here
2: yeah I always don't think um, more members is always the answer um, that's what I tell a lot of gym owners that I've talked to um, I think dollar per gym member is very valuable um, because I think you can get lost into say I want 200 members well 200 members brings. 7,000, 8,000 square feet instead of 335, you know, 4,000 square feet. Um, it leads to maybe I need two coaches on hand. Do people get lost more? Um, I really like to bring like the value to our members, I think is more my bigger picture as always. Um, what, like, you know, 125, 130 is a very comfortable range, you know, covers costs, salaries, my salary, everything like that. Um, but how, can I make, I, I guess, that customer feel more valuable, like with the dollar side for the business and for their side as a customer. I mean, that's always my bigger picture is improving customer experience and, and value for my current customers. Because I think that gets lost, I'm sorry, um, I think that gets lost a lot in the world of, you know, you see it with self, I always use the cell phone model, right? Like. They don't care about their current member. They just want that new member. And I think sometimes that can happen in the gym world too. Like I want my, my current members to feel like new members all the time. And what can I do to make them always feel like a new member?
1: Yeah, rightfully so. <clears throat> you know, so let's, let's talk about that value. You know, what, mm-hmm. what constitutes value to you when it comes to owning a gym that other people rely on? For a stress relief, for a you know, maybe they got in a fight with their husband, or they got in a fight mm-hmm. with their kid, or whatever. You know, what what, what does that con- you know, what does that look like for you? What does value mean to you for them? I
2: think I always tell people, I was like, I know more about you than I do my own wife. Sometimes people tell, I mean, people tell me everything, which is fine, and I think that's what is great with the value that they feel comfortable enough with you to talk about. My boss is doing this, or this is happening at home, or I'm really struggling with this, or um, you know, I had a death in the family, or 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 anything like that. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, not they're not member 27, they're member, you know, Jamie who has a husband who does this, who does that, and their kids go to this school in our area, and they play soccer and karate, and I think. I think that's extremely valuable. Um, and I think we kind of saw it a lot during the shutdowns of 2020, what value you brought to your customers of, you know, we were closed for three months here in Colorado, you know, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of members who still paid full price, who still supported us through shutdowns that were out of our control. I think that's the value you showed. like we showed our members is, hey, you know, we're, we're we want to be here for you when, all this stuff kind of starts clearing up.
1: Yeah, COVID was, uh you know, a big a big hit for a lot of people. You know, some people maybe took advantage of it when it came to, like, financial, you know, spaces, yeah. spots, and stuff like that. Cool, absolutely. And then, you know, obviously, some people took hits with membership bases and got creative with, you know, Zooms and, you know, things like that.
2: Yeah, we tried all, we tried the Zoom stuff. Um We we offered a, and I think that kind of goes back to the value, is we offered... I told everybody I'm changing everyone's membership to this dollar amount. And that just covers my building costs. This is not my salary. This is not my anything like that. And I'd probably say 75% of my members reached out to me saying, no, don't even think about doing that. Um, Charge me full price as long as I can still afford it. My job is still here. I'm still getting paid in full, you know, and I think that really shows the value you provide for your customers right there.
1: That's huge. You know, a kudos to you and your members for being able to have that kind of connection and that bond because, you know, that that shows that you're doing something right. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Little little bit of devil's advocate here. So mm-hmm. if you were to replicate what you do now with your your niche, your your members, your trainers, everything, and let's say... just for sake of numbers, we'll say 30 new members came on board, right? Not a a huge gain, but a good chunk. Where do you think the disconnect would be having, you know, that extra member base as far as like the value that you provide?
2: Um, I think it would be maybe in in class size is probably would be the biggest thing. Um, You know, yes, we're 60 minute classes, you know, and you've got, you always got that five minute window. Right. If people at, by the time people show up and everything like that, I would say you got five minutes for bathroom breaks for gear changes for, um, you know, probably an additional five minutes for barbells and everything like that. Um, So I think that's really where the disconnect could happen. Um, And if you're talking, you know, our, our general class size is probably eight to 12, but if you're talking 15 to 20, every single class, that's maybe where the disconnect could happen and where maybe you need to bring on an additional coach to still get that bond. Um, are you, are you cutting out stuff? Because there's so many people, I think that's kind of where a disconnect could possibly happen.
1: Got it. Yeah. That was going to bring me my next question is, you know, what kind of are like the class sizes, you know uh, how many classes throughout the day do you offer? Is it, is it like 5.00 AM to 6.00 PM or 8.00 PM? Is there like a gap throughout the middle part of the day? Is it, is it full capacity?
2: Yeah it's uh we offer like an early morning class for those crazy early birds. Yeah. Uh you know, we have a 5:30 in the morning class. We have an 8:30, we have a noon, 4:30, 5:30, 6:30. So um there's gaps in between.
1: All right. And with the class that you do have, you know, you said 8 to 12 is roughly the the size give or take.
2: Yeah, yeah, give or take. Um sometimes five thirty, six thirty, 6:30 just tend to be a little generally larger just um given the time that they are of the day, maybe sneak a 15 to 20 Saturday morning class. Like we have one in the morning on Saturdays that can get up to 20 to 25,
1: but generally
2: yeah. eight to 12.
1: Yeah. generally So, okay. And, you know, current member basing everything, do you have any plans maybe, you know, now or in the, the future to maybe bring on extra classes per se, the, the, the need is there yeah i'm always
2: that's what i tell all my um my members as well too we're always evaluating what class times work better you know work from home changed a lot of things right you know 8 30 at noon started to become more and more popular because maybe you didn't have to wait till five o'clock 5 30 to work out anymore um so we're always constantly looking at hey you know 4 30 or you know 5 30 is overloaded but if we have a 4 30 class or some, something like that, will that take off some of the load and be able to continue with that value instead of having a 22 person 530 class? Is it better to have a 430 and a 530 that's 11 and 12
1: to um, provide that value for your members? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, circling back to a little more, you know, you mentioned marketing and like the pain marketing saturation area was there a time where you did the paid advertising and the leads in your gym or has it mainly been, you know, just like word of mouth, referral programs, things like that, website builders?
2: Um, We did a lot of the six week challenges when that was super popular. I think it was, Um, oh, I got to think probably six years ago. It's probably when like the six, the six week challenge thing was very, very popular. Um, we've done a couple of those. Um, we had really good success with them, but just things kind of evolved into, you know, the six-week challenge not being as, as popular anymore. Um, so that was, like, the main paid advertisement we did was that um, when we first started, we kind of, you know, dipped our toe into some of the, um, like, barbecues that the city would host, and um, there was, like, a local... Um, excuse me. Now I'm having water issues. Um, like the local, I don't know what called newspaper, like ad thing. We kind of, we kind of tried some of that stuff. We did, we did a few things like that. Um, but you know, now we just really do a little bit more targeted marketing with the leads that we get in, mm-hmm. um, to make sure we're we're spending our money in the right spaces.
1: Yeah. Now with the targeted lead, is that you guys paying like an agency that kind of helps? you know, target certain demographics or areas or populaces and things like that? Um, kind of, actually,
2: the guys who ran the six-week challenge actually then started their own website, or I guess it's called it website builder slash gym software, okay. which um, they were actually a part of my gym when they first started it. Um, so I was early on into their program and so that kind of just led to programs that i can use inside of their software to um to lead to targeted um drip campaigns, marketing campaigns, all of
1: that stuff. Got it. Almost like a like a mass, you know, email blaster or, you know, campaign setup dynamic of some sort.
2: Yeah, reactivation drips um you know, yeah, marketing blast, email blast, uh, text blast, and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: And, you know, with, you know, multiple streams of, uh, of marketing, you know, how are those, I, I almost said click funnels, but how are those, you know, targeted marketing um, generators bringing in those leads? Is it, is it, is it, are you getting substantial amount of leads? to where it's producing the growth that you wanting to see, or is it, you know, something that's more like, you could tweak a couple of things here, there, make it a little bit better um, with the ebbs and flows.
2: Um, I think you can always make things better. Um, I think there's always ways to improve. Um, the, I'd say it's, it's hit or miss. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think there's, there's always ways to, you know, to improve on it. Um, you know, especially like what you offer, that's what I'm really learning into it Cause it's a newer thing for me. Um, you know, getting involved in a lot of the, the marketing side of things, the more social media side of things, um, you know, was the, I guess, I guess my offer wasn't good enough to draw people in, you know, what, what do I yeah, learning? What, you know, learning what excites people to get them to actually think about coming to your gym.
1: Yeah. I, no, you hit the nail on the head right there. And to your point, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, even, even five years ago, I guess really like social media has blown up so much since Oh yeah. then. And I like to call myself the dinosaur sometimes because I don't do a whole lot of my own social media. Like we all have our accounts and we'll post here and there, but it's not like a three times a day, every single day, consistency kind of thing where like you're blowing up 10, 20, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. So Yeah it's so intriguing and interesting to learn every single aspect of you have these, these apps, uh, CapCut, cap cut, or, you know, the, just these different things that produce so many different videos. And like, you just get so overwhelmed. You're like, I don't even know where to start.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had to actually reach out to like a VA service and was like, Hey, I can't like, th- there was times on my own social media or my, you know, saw those social media account. I was like, I haven't posted in a week. And like, you know, and it's what we we look for nowadays. It's like, do I even know if there's places open? If, you know, you go to their gym account and you look for how active they are on social media, it's, you know, it's a totally different world now that is ever-changing too. Um, that's what I was saying, like, trying to figure out what works is sometimes you just got to throw it at the wall and hope it sticks. And if it doesn't work, move on to the next thing. Um, because it's so, everything is, you know, changing. Everything is Changing the next new app, the next new funnel, the next new something is is in the work somewhere.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's the, a, every single day. There's the you know that that Darwinism or that evolution that's happening, and you know, like you said, throw it at the wall, have a, have a plan behind the stick, and you know, if it starts working, cool. Then we adjust the, adjust the process, fine tune the process as you go along. Yep. Yeah, a, a lot of times you know, gym owners will say that they'll try several different, you know, whether it's marketing agencies or website developers or people that do boosted posts, you know, like all sorts of different things until they find something that sticks for six months. And then they're like, all right, well, this doesn't work. I know what's next. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's always, know yeah, new, new and evolving things, you know, for the sake of context it is the paid marketing world, something you would ever dabble your toes back in to see what is out there considering you've been, you know, primarily like word of mouth referrals and organic marketing for that most part.
2: I think if it's the right fit, yes. Um, as a gym owner, I get probably seven to 10 cold, cold calls slash LinkedIn messages slash Facebook messages slash emails saying, you know, I can promise you 40 yeah. new, but you know, it's like, Come on, man, Like, if you're... Um, I, get, I get a lot of those weekly um, as a gym owner. Um, so, you know, I, it's like an interview process a lot of the times with a lot of the companies I, I talk to. It's like, you know, what, what are they looking to use? You know, are they looking to use my current CRM? Are they trying to generate more people to right. add to my CRM? Like, what are they really looking to do? And that's kind of how, you know, I look at what I'm gonna pay for and what I'm not gonna pay for.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, that's a very smart way of thinking, you know, so kudos, because it's got to make, it's got to make sense. You know, I, I, I'm not a gym owner, but I get people that are like, oh, like, go, go forward your, your career in medical school. And I'm like, I'm not even a medical student. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely got to make the right, the right fit, the right sense, you know, their, their values have to align with your values. And, you know, they, you know, it's almost like you have to see the outline of, okay, how, why is this going to work for me? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why, why am I going to pay you $3,000 yeah.
2: and you're going to use my current CRM that I built without being $3,000. And, um, you know, I just tossed those numbers out there, but it's kind of like the general, yeah, no, you know, yeah. kind of what it is. Um, you know, yeah, it's got, it's got to make sense. You've got to see the value in, um, the product that they're providing and the product that they're providing. Like from my standpoint, maybe not be it, but that doesn't mean it's not for the, not for the gym owner down the street from me, or, you know, it's what, whatever fits your needs and what you're looking to do.
4: Um,
2: yeah. You know, not everybody has been as fortunate as we are that we had a consistent customer base that brings, you know, warmer leads and, you know, brings in friends and family and brings in, you know, sometimes you gotta look at different options to grow. And, you know, growing 10 years ago when we first opened to what it is today,
1: it's a different story.
2: It's a different game.
1: Yeah. Almost everybody that I find and talk to is in some sort of paid marketing, whatever that might be.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it's, it's almost like you go back to old days and things were a little little more simple, a lot harder work, but more simple.
2: Yes. it, It was much more simple, I would say. And, um, barrier to entry was I look at, I guess it's a little off subject, but sorry. Um, you know you look at how i started my crossfit gym 11 yeah. years ago compared to how you would have to start a crossfit gym now it's it's night and day you know um i had homemade boxes i had different size matting i had you know it was you can't do that nowadays because oh there's so much every, yeah and every gym and in, in the like in the industry right now like now we have 10 rowers 10 assault bikes you know like we have all that stuff like you can't open with homemade boxes when the crossroad gym 10 miles down from you has that's right everything has everything so <laughs> it's, it's a little different now in today's world which is the same way in the marketing
1: world yeah 100 uh, it's you got people taking pictures on uh you know random street signs and throwing all sorts of stuff on there and yeah yeah yeah, yeah you got, now
2: you got like be like, be reals, like all my younger kids are like, all my I younger athletes. That. Yeah, they're like, hey, you want to be my be real? And I was like, what? I don't know. What's a be real? Like, I, and I'm not, I'm not old. I'm 38. Like, I'm not crazy. Like, and so I was like, I don't even know what that is. It sure makes you feel
1: old, though. That's for sure. My, yeah. Oh, for, yeah like, then, I'm like, what's a be real? And she's like, here look. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Next
2: thing I know, it was like an awkward my face, like, as I took the picture, because I wasn't paying attention. And I was like, oh. Thanks guys. Appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Appreciate you. Glad, glad I can make the be real. Um, yeah, no, I love that. So, you know, we, we talked about it, you know, just for the sake of understanding, you know, what would you need to see from a marketing standpoint, like a paid marketing agency to make it worth your, in, in your eyes, like your, Mm -hmm. a value for you.
2: Um, I think of that's a tough question um what i usually look for is like we first talked how are these leads coming in right that that's a big thing for me um because of the software that we do have like i can do my own crm i can do my own oh we have our crm sorry um i can kind of do a reactivation drip if i need to yeah
4: um
2: so the first thing i always one of the main things i look for is like like cut the BS, but tell me realistically, like what you're going to provide me, right? Like, are you going to provide, am I going to have to follow up with all these leads or are you going to follow up with all these leads? That's a big thing. I'm a one man show here. Um, I'm the head coach. I'm the owner, um, the accountant, I'm oh, man. the CEO, the CFO, the CTO, whatever you want to call it. I'm everything here. So, you know, does the, does the cost and the value match up to me where, you know, you're, you're setting these appointments where people are actually coming in and actually meeting the gym and it's not my responsibility. Um, that's the biggest thing is for me is what time commitment do you need from me? And is there a time commitment or do you got or does that person completely handle it?
1: Great answer. Great answer. Those are you know, my experience in, again, every marketing agency is different and there's a hundred of them out there, right? Yeah. Um, And every, every market is different, you know, like Colorado or Florida, or we'll say Scottsdale. I talked to a guy from Scottsdale and there's like transit areas and stuff like that. But to the point it's, you might be a hands-on gym owner that is busy eight out of eight hours a day. And you can't really do a whole lot of stuff outside of that because you got family obligations and things like that. So do I have to email at five o'clock in the morning? Hey, why are my leads coming in? What's up with these campaigns? You know, this, this, and this versus having somebody reach out to you like, Hey man, this is what we did. Check it out. Let us know. Cool. Awesome. Great communication. So I think that factor is huge when it comes to providing value for the clients that are, you know, interested or doing the marketing because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's what do, what do we, or they provide for you? Yeah. And yeah, Like the piggyback off of that, like,
2: I have to sometimes plan like, when I send my marketing text out, because I got to answer these text messages. But you know, can I, I can't send them out at 815 in the morning, because I coach CrossFit at 830. And you know, somebody writes back, yeah, I'm interested, tell me more. And then an hour and a half, two hours later, I get back to them. How's that person going to feel? And I think that's kind of like the same thing with the marketing, like with what that marketing agency or company can do for me is like, okay, so if you send those messages out at 830, somebody responds back, what's that response time for that individual where they're not like, um, so I said, yes, where's this information? Because, you know, I'm off personal training or I'm off doing something like that. So I think that that's probably like my number one thing is like, what time commitment and what are you guys going to do on that or what um, the marketing agency is going to do
1: on that part. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a great answer. And a lot of the people that are listening will probably agree too. is, you know, that's something that maybe every gym owner is like, well, what, what, what do I need to see that makes it worth it for me? And maybe yeah. not even like a financial standpoint, but talking about, like you said, like the time, like what kind of time are you going to put in for me for the dollars that I'm going to pay you, whatever that might be you know, 500, 1,000 to whatever, you know. So uh, I think that's a good place there for that. You mentioned your one man show. So have you thought about or have you tried or, you know, is there going to come a point in time where you maybe take a couple steps back or maybe even just one step back and you have maybe like a right hand guy or girl or whoever that's kind of doing some of the, the more intricate things for you where it allows you to do more things on like the business side.
2: Yeah, it's always my plan. Um <laughs> it's been my um my main plan probably for that is like I always tell myself like I turned 40 in two years. I just turned 38 actually like two weeks ago. Right, um way to go. Yeah, yeah. And so kind of like taking a step back from the coaching side. I love coaching. Coaching's always been my passion. Yeah. Um, but, if any gym owner or cro- co- coach in general knows coaching is exhausting coaching um, it's a lot of work you know hour like it's like a it's a performance, right? You are performing for that hour or two hours or three hours um, and that that would probably be my biggest thing is get somebody to coach more for me to step back so I can work on more growing the business because then I'm not coaching as much. And then, you know, then I'm not taking, then I have time at noon or 4.30 to do my business stuff instead of 5.30, 6.30 when it could be with my my wife, my five-year-old daughter, um, you know, being home with them instead of, um, you know, the crazy hours that the gym industry is in the first place, um, but giving me a little bit more free time.
1: Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, it's the gym, the gym hours. The, the, it's funny. They always say, And what I mean, they, everybody that's in the industry, it's like the the gym industry is not so nice to the people that are in the industry because they have to provide so much for everybody else. And it's somewhat daunting depending on how organized you are and, you know, prepared you are and things like that. It goes both ways, but for the most part, it is, it is very exhausting and taxing. I coached this morning at, you know, five o'clock. So I'm right there with you. I've been up since four o'clock this morning, coached classes, coming to work. You know, it's, it's, if you're not exhausted by the time you're done coaching, you're not doing it right. In my opinion. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I agree. And you know, you, you work when other people don't work. And that's why I tell anybody who's getting involved in the industry, it's like, you got to realize like you got to provide services when other people are not working. Um, you can't work. And you, no, nobody comes to the gym from eight to five, right? We've all been to gyms at eight to five. You have a very select few. You know, you got your lunch breaks, you've got maybe stay at home parents, um, stuff like that. But most people, even if it's work from home, they still got to be logged on from 8 to 4, 8 to 4.30 or 6 to 3.30, whatever it happens to be. You're, you don't work a normal 8 to 5 when you're in the gym industry.
1: No, Not, not if you're a coach or in the fitness industry. If it's like corporate fitness, then that's different. Now yeah, for sure. Some structure there and some whatnot, you know. <clears throat> uh, so with that, you know, smaller to you know, bigger picture, what needs to happen for you to be able to take, you know, that – step back to be able to focus more on the business? Is it, you know, more members? Is it more revenue inside the current facility? Is it just a matter of finding that person that you trust?
2: That would probably, that's the, that's the biggest part. Of the second one, um, finding that person that I feel personally comfortable with, um, taking over the reins, you know? Um, I worked my butt off for, you know, 12 years, you know, as starting out as a personal trainer um, to what it is today, you can't trust anybody with that. Like it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go. Um, maybe. So finding that right person is probably the biggest thing for me.
1: Any, uh, any, any peeps in mind for the, the current title coming up maybe one day. Yeah. I have a, I have a few in mind. Just
2: um, got to see how a couple of the next months go. Um, yeah, For sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some individuals who have, grown up and been a part of this from the beginning who would i feel like would play would love to play a bigger role if i would allow them to and that's the biggest thing it's how much am i willing to let go which is it's it's a hard thing that every business owner i'm sure goes through it's like letting go is a very difficult thing when you've built something
1: no right rightfully so i mean it's it's not like you just got handed to you like you worked effortlessly for the last you know decade to to make it is to make what it is love that oh yeah i
2: still still remember those early days
1: (sighs) yeah me too me too oh yeah uh 10 out 12 hours (laughs) Uh, um what eric i think that's a good place to wrap up we've covered a lot of good content a lot of great answers from you kudos to all the things that you're doing uh two things yep first thing For somebody that's looking to start their own entrepreneurship into the fitness world, whether it's CrossFit or group training or semi-private training, whatever the case is, what words of advice would you give somebody? Um, First, find a mentor, a business
2: mentor. Um, That's what really helped me. Um, And anybody in the fitness industry, I always tell people, like, you got to love to do it. You can't just want to do it as a hobby um, if you want to be successful in it. it is. It's a, we've talked about it. It's a grueling industry. Um, it's a, you don't make a whole lot of money right off the bat. You think everybody's going to want to train with you or come to your gym because you open one. They don't, you got to prove it. Um, th- that would probably be the biggest thing is, you know, treat, treat it like a business, not a hobby.
1: It's It's hard to, sometimes separate that because there, there's so many factors that go into wanting your business but then why do you want that business is it yeah just to get the money because that's going to be a problem if you're not willing to help the people that are going to give you the money <clears throat> yeah i mean
2: we all know businesses need money like i'm not i'm not a nonprofit. i'm not going to lie to you and say that um <laughs> we all we all know businesses need money but if your first thing in the fitness world is to make money you've got to have to See Get those processes set up right to make money, make sure you're offering a value, make sure, you know, you're not working out with a class or, you know, missing classes. I don't know. I see a lot of gyms as hobbies and not as businesses. And I think that's the biggest thing to be successful is treat your any sort of personal training, CrossFit, boot camp, whatever your route is, a fitness, it's got to be treated as a business, not as a hobby.
1: Yeah. Said like a true entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, well, cool, Eric. Um, last thing, you know, how can members or members, how can people listening reach your facility if they want to check it out? Facebook, Instagram, website. Go ahead and give a, a shout out for your facility.
2: Yeah. We are um, crossfitsalvo.com is our website. We are on Instagram and Facebook, even Twitter if you're into that. Um, a little bit on TikTok. Not crazy yet. I haven't gotten dope too much into TikTok yet. Um all at CrossFit Salvo. Um that's our main way. Um give us a call if you want that way. Uh I don't know if can I say my phone
1: number on here is that cool. Uh, whatever you're comfortable with.
2: Yeah. Uh 303-659-0991. You can reach out to us that way. Email info at crossfitsalvo.com. Anyways like that, we'll get back to you.
1: Awesome. Love that well hey appreciate that. Everybody out there listening go check out a gym, CrossFit Salvo. Uh, going to get a lot of good stuff out there, family, tight-knit community. Um, and for anybody out there that's listening, if this story made you want to hop on the show and give your perspective on the industry and maybe some things that you're doing, maybe some struggles or some opportunities, you know, click on the link below, type in all the info. We'll get in touch and we'll get you on the show. But until then y'all, that's been another episode of the Jim Lords podcast. Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone?
5: Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lawrence Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Mr. Cole Giovanetti of Hire, as well as Diversifit, joining us from Memphis. Cole, what's going on today, sir? How are you?
3: Joe, I'm great. How are you, buddy?
5: I'm doing incredibly well. I am fascinated by these two businesses. So I'm glad that we were able to get you on and and pick your brain and see what kind of wisdom we can extract out of there. For the people listening who aren't familiar with both Diversifit or Hire, give us an elevator pitch of how you describe these things when people ask you what they are.
3: well, Man, an elevator pitch is tough for a guy that talks as much as me. I, I would say <laughs> um, grab a cup of coffee. Now, I, I think first you have to talk about Diversifit. It was the original concept that we came up with. And um, pretty simply put, I, uh, I created Diversifit for me and what I like to do, which is diversify um, the ways that I stay fit and healthy um, I get bored pretty easily doing the same thing over and over again. And, um, as somebody that's weighed 260 pounds twice in life, um, I can't afford that anymore. I've got three kids and 42 and years old. And so, um, it was something I needed, uh, the variety. And, um, so we created a concept that allowed me to do that for, um, an amount of money that is not, uh, LeBron James worthy training mm. out of that um, came higher, which was sort of a phase two of diversifits um, after post-concept phase. Uh, we proved it worked. Um, we grew to the point where we needed um, some extra capacity on the gym side, but not being a brick and mortar gym, more frankly a technology fitness technology company um we got into the brick and mortar business with hire.
5: yeah and so all of this being considered there are multiple different layers of this which we'll unpack as we go through this conversation but talk to us a little about how all of this came to be and, and what made you want to enter the fitness space in the first
3: place yeah um So I, as I said, I was, I was a 260 pound 30 year old and my father, my, my grandfather, my father's father um, passed away at a very young age, 62, 63 years old. And um, Thanksgiving night, I don't know what the year was. I'd have to go back and think more on it, but we, he had a conversation with me and was like, look, you, you know. You're 260 pounds. I I was not quite 30, but close. He said, you know, as you get older, it's going to be tougher to to lose this weight and be healthy. And so he lit a fire under me, to say the least. Um, I think he probably changed my life that night. And so um, at the time was in the financial industry. I started a healthy journey that next day working out with him um, and then got bored from just going to the gym and, and uh, my father was an entrepreneur and started a very um, um, big, it grew to be a big company. And his CFO was a, it still is a very good triathlete locally. And Mm -hmm. so he saw me swimming one day, which I had no swimming experience and said the next later that day at work was like, man, you were swimming really well have you thought about triathlon? So next thing I know, I'm in the sport of triathlon, built my way up, became um, an Ironman in Chattanooga. Um, After that, got a little burnt out, got into a gym, a local gym, boutique fitness gym, similar to CrossFit, um, and loved it. Um, Lacked the strength, but built that up. And um, the community there, which was fantastic, still is, um, invited me to go to a, do an obstacle course race so coming off track triath- or coming off Ironman you know you're talking 12 hour 10 11 12 hour straight of racing and so I asked these people who are now my friends I said hey what what uh yeah I'm in what what's the distance and they're like I mean it's five miles and I was like <laughs> so you're gonna travel to Nashville Tennessee for a five mile race like uh, that's, that doesn't move the needle for me anymore. So, um, I didn't do it and not because I didn't try, I I couldn't do it that weekend, but I got very interested in obstacle course racing. Um, I loved the dynamic that it required, which was strength, grip, strength, endurance, um, obviously mental toughness. And so, um, I ended up signing up for a, what they call the world's toughest mutter, which is a run by the Tough Mudder, which is like a Spartan. Mm. Uh, They actually, Spartan bought them. Um, So it's a 24 hour obstacle course race, max laps, max five mile laps. Um, And I trained for a year um, really across many different um, um, ways of fitness, including yoga and cycle bar and running and CrossFit. So um, that sort of uh, it, it combined all of the things I like to do: compete or train, okay, uh, for a reason, and and doing so with uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, coming out of that race, I had a couple stress fractures in my leg, and uh, my wife so kindly said, um, "Recover from your stress fractures, and while you're doing that, um, think about." We spend $750 a month on fitness. Think about a way to spend a lot less. In other words, <laughs> get a little creative <laughs> here. <laughs> in other words, pick one, pick a place that you love. I don't want to I, I want you to be healthy, right? Um, and I want you to enjoy the community, but you got to pick one. I mean, you're not LeBron James, you're just a financial nerd. So um I spent, uh, I was using an alter G machine, which was like a anti-gravity essentially machine to recover. And instead of like listening to podcasts and, um, music or all the things that we tend to do, um, I was, I spent a lot of time thinking like, how can I, I enjoyed not just the workouts, but the, the, the places that I went, I enjoyed the coaches, the teachers, the other members of these places. And so, uh, we created it, you know, we created diversity. Yeah.
5: The reason I like to to ask that question is because it, a lot of the time it ends up in this kind of a place. And I'll summarize real quick in the, I was looking for this as a client, couldn't find it. And so I built it.
3: And yep. now I mean, I, proof of concept yeah, later, store, there's clearly a market, right? Yes. Yes. In short, I could have said I solved my own problem. Yeah. Right. That is, I, I there's gotta be other people
5: with this kind of a problem out there,
3: right? Yeah, yeah, you you know, you asked for my elevator speech. It, it is probably that I solved my own problem. I built this for me and now I run it for everyone else. Like we have a lot of members and, um, you know, I, I solved my own problem and it. I didn't know that other people had it. I thought they would. Um, and that's what you find out in the concept phase, right? That- yep there are lots of others that have the same interest and problems. And
5: so as all entrepreneurs know, we could have the best product in the world, but we need to, to communicate that message and get it out to people. So for you during the time of both of these businesses, what's been successful from a marketing standpoint? And what would you maybe not recommend
3: to some other people in the space to spend some time or some dollars on? um man that's an interesting question I, I i think i've had a pretty unique journey so far um it's changing a little bit and getting a little bit more um more similar to other folks but um memphis is a really memphis is a big enough city to create a business and exist and when i say exist make mo- make enough money to live off of um But it's it's a very small town too, right? And I've been here my whole life outside of college. Um, And so I know a lot of people, a lot lot of people, it's not a very transient town, right? Right. And so, um, you know, I also, not to go way off the rails here, but like I, I, I live and breathe the concept of what is now my job. Yep. And so I know I knew a lot of people with the same interest. And um, so I, I, we didn't market, you know, we are marketing. We just was, had a built in audience to that point. We right? had a built in audience. Yeah. Yeah. It was. We, I, I consider myself lucky for that um, and very grateful, but we didn't do any marketing. Um, we have since two years ago, we opened, we launched Diversifit Nashville um, and, a, a a friend of mine, um, who was in Memphis came to me and said she was moving there and she is a, a legit athlete, um, now like semifinals CrossFit, um, type athlete. And so mm-hmm. I, I said, look, I've been, I haven't talked to anybody about this yet, but, but expanding to that market is something I want to do. Um, would you be interested in? playing my role, like sort of the market manager of Nashville. And she agreed. And, um, we're still there today doing well. And, um, our struggle there is from a marketing perspective. Uh, I I don't have all the answers right now, right? Like we're, we're sort of dedicating 2023 to that market and, and getting some professional marketing and things like that. So, um, ours here was sort of grassroots and, grow slowly and and um, not spend money on marketing dollars per se but spent we would spend our money on events like community events um, build fitness uh, um, um, you know workouts and things and make it fun and then um, hopefully grow out of that which we have done successfully in Memphis yeah
5: I think that's A really important point for us to highlight here is that you already called out Memphis is a a market and a community where we had enough of a foothold that we could do it without putting dollars into this. Now, as we expand in Nashville, probably a little bit more competitive, not a place where we know as many people, at least as the original location it becomes more of a a marketing challenge. How do we get this message out? And to be determined, at least for now. Yeah,
3: yep, yep.
5: I'm interested in the, the sales aspect of this, Cole, because historically, at least, somebody wants to join a gym, they either opt in online or call or walk in, and they sit down with somebody and they sign up.
4: How do people go about signing up for something like this?
3: Yeah, so what we um my approach to sales was we have I have three or I have two clients. I have the gym owners and I have the members. All right. And coming from sales in the financial world, we got a lot of referral business, almost exclusively referral business. So my what we created with Diversifit was the ability to almost like credit card points, right? So anytime we would use social media and still do use social media. So anytime one of our members goes to a CrossFit affiliate of ours or a spin studio that we partner with, we want those people, we incentivize those people to, make posts on social media, their stories, their posts, whatever it may be, (laughs) excuse me, tag the, tag, the teacher or the instructor tag, the business tag us. We'll all repost it because we want, and then we give them points for that. Right. Um, They also get points for going to not the same place. Every time we want them to go to different spots and use the platform for what it is, um, get the value out of it. And so, From a gym owner's perspective, we pitch them as part of our our pitch is, is, look, we we want our members, we want you to treat our members like they're your members, and we're going to incentivize our members to highlight you in their social media outlets, um, which they like. They're going to be able to sell you better than you can sell you obviously they're going to be able to sell us better than we can sell us as well. So um, we've gotten a lot of traction with that um, and it's free, right? Yeah. that's, That's the real interesting
5: aspect of this is that because there are three interested parties instead of the traditional buyer seller relationship, there's, there's this further dynamic where, it's it's a kind of a continuum everybody helps each other in this type of model yeah i mean
3: there's there's three people that benefit from one person showing up to work out right so you know the gym owners getting more energy into class right Right. i I mentioned that i built this because i like to train right like i view diverse fit as like a training platform um when 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 I'm going to a yoga class, yoga is a little bit of an anomaly because I'm going kind of really for the recovery component of it. When I go to cycle bar or to CrossFit or a hit class, I mean, I'm going to go with the intention and of, of working really hard, right? And so I'm going to bring a ton of energy into that gym or that class that otherwise was not there. And I'm not unique to diversify, who the diversify member? I'm, I'm just like all of them, and so the gym owner gets to benefit from more bodies in the class, right? And not just yeah. like a cold dead body, like a really high energy, hard Interested party. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and obviously the members getting to go uh, to a lot of different spots, and we're given like they're they're generating these points that they can use. On apparel, on um, I mean, they can uh, they can decrease the cost of their monthly their monthly um, um, expense, so they can use those points for turn them into cash, essentially. Um, yeah. And then obviously, I benefit because the gym owners are happy and the members are getting the value out of out of the platform.
5: And and we've seen this, this type of play. In hospitality, like you said, hotels.com, in entertainment, like Ticketmaster, whatever variation, in restaurants, open table, will fill the gaps, right? There is never perfect matching of supply and demand, but if we can bring those things closer together, there is room enough for everybody in the market to benefit. Beyond that, how internally for you with Diversifit. Are a lot of these, these people, Hey, I'm interested in, in joining Diversifit as a member. Is it, is, is that conversation routed to you? Do we have team built out to, to amp this up? How does that look?
3: No, we control, I control in, in and out if you want to cancel your membership. So, and Sydney, um, Sydney Wells is our, our market manager in Nashville. So, Um, I would call her my partner in Nashville. So we control everything. Um, So another little piece of our business, when we discuss this with gym members or gym owners, um, we don't ever want to create, I didn't want to create a scenario where our business, our membership was cheaper than their membership. So our cost is about one and a half times the price of a membership at our highest gym in that market. Okay. The reason being is because we don't want to create a no brainer as our members start going to the local CrossFit affiliate of ours. And they start making friends that are members of that gym. And they're like, yeah, we come from Diversifit and, you know, word starts getting out and they're like, oh shit, they, DiverseFit pays the same as we pay and they get to go to these other places. We're going to switch. That's not good for my relationship with gym owners who ultimately control my ability to stay in business. Yeah. And so um, we don't want to grow too big either, right? We want to stay, our, our only cost right now, I mean, we're going to increase our cost, our overhead a little bit with some marketing and and third party help, but our really only overhead is, is the cost to the gyms. Okay. To our partners. And so we want to, we can keep our overhead low. Um, we can keep our membership pretty low too, and still make money. And so what we, um, we have a wait list, so you can't Just sign up for DiverseFit. So when you when you join the wait list, we obviously I get notified here, and then Sydney and I get notified in Nashville. Um, We reach out to that person and say, you know, let's have coffee and let's chat online. Whatever it is, make a connection, right? A human connection with this person, and find out what it is they're looking for. Like, do they know about DiverseFit, and um, and also help them understand that. I built this for me and what I like is to have this like extremely healthy platform that I'm going to use any way I want to use, but I also love people and and connections and um, that's that's the culture of Diversifit in both markets. It's a very close culture. Um, And so you don't, I didn't want, just anybody walking through the door and then no one knows who they are right so when i'm able to have a human connection with someone before they're a member and i'm like oh you're in construction well let me introduce you to you know and you like crossfit let me introduce you to this guy who sells you know flooring to construction companies maybe y'all know each other um, he also, he or she likes CrossFit as well. You're going to see them around. They're a great member. And then that way they have like a, a new friend at school that they can, um, kind of communicate with. So it's, it's almost
5: networking mastermind built in.
3: That's it. If you yeah. Will. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, I, I need to, I have to control that kind of who comes in for that purpose. Yep. I don't like want anybody said, to feel like that. good
5: problems to have, right? Correct. Limiting supply is always a much more fun tactic than trying to force supply. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Now, you sort of alluded to it, and I'm, I'm interested to see where all of this is going, but either higher or diversify in general, what does the, the future
4: hold? Where do you see all of this going?
3: Um, so Diversifit was founded first, um, you know, we've talked a lot about supply and demand. Um, I think it was before we, we started recording on our intro call, but, um, as you know, supply is limited with diverse fit at our partner gyms. Once we got to sort of a crossroads and had to make some decisions, we found space in memphis um bought a heck of a lot of equipment our overhead went out the roof with fire right mm. but we were building a brick and mortar gym and so up until that point which I always i call that phase two phase two was always a if this works if we're a powerful community that has created significant relationships amongst its members Um, we're going to have an issue being just a technology company because if if we have five bikes at cycle bar or eight spots at crossfit class but we have 100 members and 15 of them are really really close friends that would prefer to work out to with each other that's a problem and so um
5: it's a big influx for for any yeah. physical location to
3: handle yeah. Yes, that's right. And and our sort of diversifits motto um is quality and quantity. And so um when you're dealing with high quality gym partners part of what makes them high quality is that they got their own members and probably a lot of them, right? So we can't just go back to the well and say double our double our access to your class because they, they have their own members and they can't, they can't do that. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so we built higher up until that point I when I, I while I always knew that existed, um, we, my thought was that Diversifit was going to lead into a new market and we would, grow Diversifit, and I I thought this because Diversifit's overhead's really low. So it it enables us to go in for cheap, build out the market to a point where we can then come in and build higher, which costs a lot more, and now we have a a pre-existing member base that are going to use higher, make higher a market leader in that market okay i now think differently i think higher diversity a little hard to understand class pass helps but it's it's not the same it's, it's not a, apples to orange it's not apples to apples it's not it's not apples to apples and so diversify it, yeah, it's just hard to explain it's hard to um give a somebody that has no idea what this is, you know, in, in advertising or marketing, you know, you, you probably know better than me, but you probably only get about 15 seconds to make that impression. And
5: you can't communicate this in a, in a social media
3: post at least. No, you can't. It's difficult. And so, um, what higher Memphis has showed me or proven to me is that, um, the programming's obviously relatable to everyone. Okay. Um, Everyone knows the brick and mortar boutique fitness model, and um, once they're in, hire, and then they they quickly understand Diversify because um, they they can see, feel, and touch it with the other members that are already coming there. Um, but I, I think that you come in at the same exact time and let hire almost be like a triple A. I don't mean to say it like a like they're lesser worker outers but they can come in via a $129 membership and then recognize that oh well I'm also I like to go to yoga too I like to go to cycle bar or another spin studio um I like crossfit every twice a week or whatever it may be so um pilates we have recovery partners right and so um it's It's just an easier sell once they're in higher, I think.
5: It's like a, this sort of elusive one-stop shop that a lot of like big box gyms strive for, but just feels inauthentic to try yeah. to do everything under one roof. You guys have have wrangled this to find the audience first. And then the service second, I think that makes far more sense to me. And like you said, if the future is to grow and expand this thing, what's the entry point? You know? We've got this, right. this pool of data and, and metrics. It'll be interesting to see how that spells out in the form of we go in with hire. We have hypothetically 100 members. How many of them would? interested in
3: something like this right right i our our intention i never started this to just as a hobby. i mean it is a hobby i love what i do um it wasn't what i did though it wasn't how i fed my family when when we started it it was just a passion right and i still had a desk job that i went to every day um and uh when my wife and i talked, which we talked a lot about it, you know, we had to make the decision of, well, or we had to, we had to really think about why we're doing this, right? And if, if the, if the reason for doing it is just to have this like side project that allows Cole to go do the things he likes to do. And oh, by the way, we got some members as well. Great. That's cool. Obviously keep your desk job. Um, and you're kind of acting like just like a member, right? Use it how you want to use it. And, yeah. um, again, keep your job. That's not what we did. Uh, we wanted to um, expand and, and go into other markets. Uh, you know, we solved my problem here. I mean, Memphis is a is a very unfit city, okay? We, it's a town of barbecue and, and beer um and it's not a very large city right so if it does work here there's plenty of other places where the problem also exists that's you know? a good point yeah yeah so um but you gotta i have to really i'm i have an addictive personality in the sense that yeah sort of just go all in um and i have to be patient because while it feels like this diverse fit and, and higher as well have been around for a really long time, it, it's, it's been five years. and <laughs> with a know, little like, pandemic built in the middle? Of yes that too. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And the pandemic changed it changed our whole model. I, I wouldn't say it changed our model. I think it, um, I think it advanced where we were going a little quicker than where we wanted to go. We thrived through COVID. Um, and, but, but it was early. We were early. Like we, we, mm-hmm. we sort of launched into phase two a little quicker than we wanted to, but the timing was right. The, the ability to go out and find space on a long-term lease for cheap had it was the perfect time it's an
5: opportunity that is not going to present itself again,
3: ever again. Right. I'm in the, I was in the financial world. Like people would call me, they would never call me when stocks were going up, when they are going down, they want to go to cash. And I'm like, this is the exact opposite mentality that you need to have stocks yeah. are down. It's a buy, right? Yeah. So we had to make that decision right out of the gate. And, and it's also caused us to then now really fo- focus more of a, from a, Macro perspective um and yeah, what well, so. is the the
4: real
5: long term potential of it? Yeah, no, I I completely get it, and I think in a in an industry of entrepreneurs, typically a controlled burn is a good route to success. It's not always the most exciting, and it can be hard to to manage shiny object syndrome, if you will but like you said five years in the grand scheme of building something that does have a high ceiling it's it's just a drop in the ocean you know
3: yeah 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 it is that's right so
5: we're running a bit shy on time here Cole but I do want to save a minute for you to be able to tell people where they can learn more about higher or diversify. what's the best website what is the social media links how can people figure out more
4: about this
3: Yep, yep. So um uh Instagram is at DiverseFit Memphis. Um and I'm sorry, it's at DiverseFit. And then Nashville is at fit underscore Nashville. Um Higher is at higher Memphis. And um, you know, those are that's we have a Facebook page as well. Um it's a I'm not even quite sure how to use Facebook to be totally honest with you. That's my wife's uh That's my wife's side of it, but um, Instagram is where we're very active. Um, So we'd love to uh, people to check us out there and, and interact with us and check us out.
4: Yeah.
5: Connect with Cole and the team on those platforms that you just mentioned. Cole, this has been awesome, man. I I genuinely appreciate getting a look behind the scenes into, into what the thought process is when it comes to building something like this. So I appreciate your time. I wish we had more time to dig in, but we'll have to get you back on in the future at some point for today. That's all we got, but I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards.
3: Well, I'm grateful for your time and uh, appreciate the opportunity.
5: Absolutely. And to who tuned in, thank you. Don't forget if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up, right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
6: Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
7: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Emma from Diva Fitness out of the UK. Hey, Emma, how are you doing today?
6: Hey, I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great to be here.
7: Yeah, we're definitely excited to have you on today, but before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you have going on and how you run Diva Fitness, first tell us a little bit about how you describe the business of people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place.
6: So I started my gym um, back in 2016. Uh, I was late to entering into this um, sector, so at the age of 45 I decided I wanted to follow my passion and turn that into my profession. Um, It was at a stage when finally my youngest child was heading off to high school. And after being a single mom for the last 12 years, before that, uh, I decided um, now was my time to to break free and do something I loved. So I formed Diva Fitness, which is a home-based garden studio, uh, fitness training studio. Uh, which would allow me to have that at-home training facility. Um, And I decided that due to the isolation around the back of the garden, and also I just felt more comfortable. I wanted to specialise in training ladies only. And um, so I took it upon myself to find a supplier in the UK of garden rooms. And I found one uh, where I went off and designed the studio to fit my garden and fit the needs that I needed. So, um, one of my passions in life is, is, is eating correctly, the nutrition. And as this is a fundamental side of a health-oriented approach to training and fitness, uh, I decided to also get my kitchen um, passed by the Food Standards Authority over here in the UK Um, and to complement and sort of create my own sort of unique selling point um, I set up my kitchen um, as a training facility um, and a place to offer advice on good nutrition as well so that hand in hand because this is something I find is missing um, in the gym and I'm not a fan of weight loss groups and the advice they tend to give out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, just uh, just, uh, just 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 to mention the name as well, Diva Fitness. Um, so I'm from a place in the northwest of England uh, called Chester, and the Roman name for Chester was Diva, D-E-V-A. So I kind of fi- figured that with the female-oriented approach, um, Diva Fitness was what I wanted to call it.
7: Oh man, that is awesome. So prior to, because I know you said you opened your gym when you were 46. Mm -hmm. Prior to deciding to open up your gym, what was your background in? So
6: I did um, a French business degree out in um, Bordeaux. And originally um, I've got um, linguistic skills. I speak French and Spanish. So in my twenties, I was um, an export sales manager. Traveled the world, uh, met some great people. As far as Tokyo, Dubai, I never made it to America actually. Um, And then typically, you know, on the career path, some you know I had. I say typically, I I basically decided uh, in my late twenties. I was with my partner. We had a child. And uh, whilst I was on maternity, my job became redundant, uh, as in somebody else took my place. So I had to switch tact, so mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously took that company to court, um, changed to UK sales. Uh, four years later, I had my second child. I enjoyed being a mom so much that I took nine months maternity leave off and I went back and because I was the only person in sales, that company then went into liquidation. <laughs> so I decided that in 2006, I'd never work for anyone else again. And I decided to go self-employed. That was the only way I was going to remain in control of not <laughs> my own destiny. Um, so for 10 years with uh, a breakdown in my relationship, I ended up as a single mum with two boys and um, I decided to go into teaching French and Spanish in the primary school sector uh, for the next 10 years. And, um, yeah, that worked out really, really well. So it meant I managed to bring the boys up and also have my own career. Very, very nice. Very nice. So let's talk a little bit
7: about how you've been able to generate your clientele. Because right now you do it's like one-on-one and then also like two-to-one training. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So
6: I started, um, so when I first opened, I, this was all very, very new to me, um, the whole world of being, having an online business. So I was tempted originally by taking out some Google ads. Um, It was okay, but not that successful. Um, So I started to go to some female networking events in the local area that generated some interest there is then some um I didn't really know Facebook I really wasn't into Facebook very much I didn't understand it back then it was something I didn't know um but to be honest I word of mouth started getting out I put up a few adverts and after the first three months word of mouth started to get out and um I've never looked, I've never needed to advertise the business ever since. So I quickly got very, very full. I think, um, you know, as girls, we spread the word when something's good. Right product, right place, right person. (laughs)
7: So So I guess, okay, so you were able to kind of fill up your clientele. So what is, for you, like what what was the maximum amount of people that you were able to handle at one time?
6: So in the beginning, um, I guess I just kept taking on the inquiries and I would start at about half six in the morning and I wasn't shutting the doors till about eight at night. Um, The demand was there. Um, It quickly became a question of overload, to be honest. I sensed some burnout towards about six months in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I still needed to be bringing up the boys, and uh, yeah, my I I I just started taking on too too many too many clients to be honest. Yeah, so I decided to when people because obviously people come, people go, people have different goals. Some come just for short term goals. Um, I decided to not where i you know i needed i decided to take on fewer clients um as my experience grew i started to charge a higher price per hour and then over the years over the last sort of five six years um with my increase every year in, in my certification um portfolio i've also i'm now at the stage where i just work nine till six so i've got that under control
7: okay so uh, we were talking a little bit about this before we went into the interview portion, but you're thinking about doing like a little bit larger group training sessions. Cause right now you have one-to-one then two-to-one. So why are you thinking about like train transitioning more to working in like smaller groups of four to six?
6: Yeah. So the maximum, uh, I mean the training facility I've got, it's not enormous. It's not big. So, um, it's six meters by four, which translates as, see, I did my homework (laughs) Mm -hmm. in, uh, so it translates about 20 foot by four, eight, 12 by about, yeah, 20 foot by about 13. So it's it's 256 square foot. So really the maximum we're looking at is small groups of three. Okay. Plus myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I, I think because of the amount of inquiries I'm turning away Um my, my growth strategy uh, in the years to come is to open up to more groups and group training, particularly in the evenings. Uh, there's just too, there's just too much demand and not enough, enough places. Um, so I think um, I, one of the things as a female fitness specialist, I'm really um, aware of, um, you know, and I, I think is this, this, the fact that women's body shapes typically um, are into three different forms. You've got your ectomorph, your mesomorph, and your endomorph. So the, like the pear-shaped lady and the apple-shaped lady, they need different training, different exercise moves. So I think I may even niche down a little bit and do sort of more pear-shaped training groups, more um, apple shape, which also need more dietary advice typically.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: so, so with, what were you saying I'm sorry um yeah so yeah just just um that's become really apparent um yeah you know when I've done from previous experience I mean you, you gain that experience over the years when I've done small group training when I've had those two different types of girls in a group um the training needs different
7: yeah that makes sense yes. yeah so <laughs> Prior to, like, I do remember you saying, like, you had a background in sales or some sales mm-hmm. experience. So walking into this, were you confident um, in your ability to sell your packages to your clients?
6: So can you repeat the last bit?
7: Yeah. Were you already confident in your ability to sell um, your yeah. packages to your your existing clients that you have now?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, you mean to existing clients or to new?
7: Yeah, well, so to the ones that became like your current clients, I'll say.
6: Um, I think it would be. Well, the current clients are all one to ones. They're, they're at the moment. I I, I just got one to ones at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when it comes to conversion, sort of through the door, um. L- literally we're talking about well I think there's only been about four people over the last six years who've gone away and thought about it so from a conversion rate I think once people have actually come through the door on a consultation um generally once they've met me and met the product and sort of been in the kitchen um probably got you know got to know me a little bit that they just take up there's no consider, you know there's no hesitation
7: yeah yeah well that's good so another thing i wanted to ask you about is like pricing because i know that you said that's something that you have like increased over like the past few years Mm. Um, like how much have you did you like when did you decide to increase your prices and how much over the past few years have you increased your prices
6: so when i first started out um i think i started out on a much lower hourly rate um I think to be honest, I I would say this is not completely understanding who my client type was. This is a massive lesson I've learned. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, I am not my typical client. Um, I offer a niche product and it is not going to be, you know, it's you know, I positioned my offering at a low price just to generate volume through the door mm-hmm. um, but I think what has become apparent is you know I think it, you need to know your value and charge accordingly you know it's not about offering the che- the best product for the cheapest price because there's too you know and I think there's too much to, to just getting inundated with inquiries so you know, to control that, I, I increase my prices, but also increase my offering as well in knowledge. So, you know, every year I've added to my sort of repertoire, I did my pre and postnatal. Um, I got my specialism in female fitness. I've done my senior fitness one. I've done my mental health awareness. So I've, you know, I've invested a lot in terms of knowledge yeah. justify that price increase as well. And, um, you know i think my reviews don't you know stick i i, I know where i'm heading now and in, in, you know in terms of when you put your pricing up actually what you get is a, a different type of client and one who typically signs up twice a week rather than single sessions a week so and these are the kind of people i want because they're the ones who are, are committed to making change yeah absolutely absolutely
7: so with that being said like you mentioned you know where you're going and like you have have a vision for where you want to take divas, Diva Fitness. Talk to us a little bit about your goals for the future.
6: Mm-hmm. So my goals are to. I've got a lot of different goals, really. I think, you know, key to, to where I am today is I've reached many of the goals I set five years ago, which was to pay off the studio. Um, so. I think what I want to do is look at increasing my offering to existing clients to offer a more social community aspect to them. So, looking at maybe walking groups, running groups, so that my clients can become more of an offline community um, and meet others. So, I know that's a big part of you know that. If I help them to help themselves, they're going to reach their goals quicker. Um, and and to be honest, I love a good climb up in a mountain uh, as well as a run you know just get me out running with them as well mm-hmm. um i think also i'm going to be looking at different types of offerings uh, i want to be looking at some week-long retreats uh well i go out i hire a place abroad for say seven days and do five-day retreats for my um for new clients um really taking women out of their environment because When I've done a few retreats in the past in the UK, but I really want to take them out where we can do, you know, I I can empower them with the knowledge of cooking, eating, shopping right, um, walking, just relaxing and and really making a fundamental change in their life. Um, also, maybe look at some collaborations with some different corporate clients. Um, I've been approached a few times to do some sessions for companies that are offering well-being packages into companies. And they approach me. They're looking at uh, providers like myself to you know they're paying good price as well to actually go in and. Uh, do lunchtime or pre-work sessions, after-work class sessions. So, you know, I think I need to work smarter. Um, there was an expression once, when you can turn your vocation into your vacation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've turned my passion into my profession. I'm now looking at um, doing, like I said, these, these perhaps, you know, maybe three retreats a, a year. Um, for me, it's not about getting bigger it's about working smarter. Um, and that's working less during the week so I can enjoy more holidays and, and time away. Really? That's, that's what I've been working hard for.
7: Yeah. So I mean, why is that something that's important to you? Cause it sounds like you're not necessarily in a phase where you're like, I want to take on more clients, but you're really working on kind of making the services that you offer more valuable to them. But mm-hmm. ultimately like, why is, you know, working less and being able to, I didn't even say travel, but like, You want to work less and get some of your time back. Why is that something that's important to you?
6: I think achieving a healthy work-life balance, and you know, for me, it's been a life goal to sort of to work towards that in my fifties. I feel like there's so much emphasis on you know creating that wealth and time at the end of our life, but I need I want to enjoy that in my fifties, and. You know, the other week I, I went off to Prague for a week. I want to do more city breaks. I feel I kind of, I've I, as a, you know, as, as a single mum, you sort of like restricted financially, you're restricted physically from getting out and about. And I feel I need that freedom. Um, and, you know, Covid has, has taught us a lot. Um, I survived COVID uh, with my studio. I I am very resilient to change. It's one of my skill sets. And uh, I know there's a lot of life I want to enjoy uh, outside of the workplace. So for me, it's about making the time for that. Absolutely. (laughs)
7: Well, Emma, we're going to wrap things up here. But
6: before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. So um, I am on, um, my website is uh, www.divafitness, actually I'm going to spell this, so it's D-I-V-A and then it's hyphen fitness.co.uk. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Diva Fitness Chester, and I'm also on Instagram, uh, diva underscore fitness underscore Chester, I think. (laughs) <laughs> but I will say I am not a big social media person. I am on there. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, social media, I must say, is not something I've, need, I, I've questioned over the past few years. I don't feel that I, anything I do or give my time to, um, I question whether it gives me ha- purpose, passion or profit and for me my schedule's fully booked so i don't do a lot on facebook uh, and social media it's there but i question why do we need it i'm too busy enjoying life to be honest <laughs> yeah well
7: emma thank you so much for taking the time today and coming on to contribute to our our podcast definitely looking forward to seeing what you're going to continue to accomplish down the road so mm-hmm. To everybody who tuned in today, you're welcome. We appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim George out.